0: morning church. It's a great privilege to open God's word and to learn from his word. Please turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Uh, Colossians chapter 2. I I want to set the context by reading the end of Colossians chapter 1 and then we'll proceed with with our text for this morning from Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 7. Colossians 2, verse 1 to 7. But I'm going to start reading from from chapter 1, verse 28. And it reads as follows. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ, For this, I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all those who have not seen me face to face. That their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches In Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Amen. Uh, Brothers and sisters, the title of my sermon is Maturity in Christ. Maturity in Christ. At the end of Colossians chapter 1, we see Paul making a summary of his ministry. He, he gives us a summary of what drives his ministry. You see, the apostle Paul here gives us the goal of his ministry. And he says that him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And he says, for this I toil, struggling with all Energy that God works within me. You see, the goal simply stated is this preaching Christ so that Christians would grow in maturity. You see, Paul is not passive about this. He is clear, he wants all Christians to be mature in Christ. He says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works in me. And so if you ask Paul, what is the one thing you are working hard for? His answer will be the proclamation of Jesus Christ for the maturity of his followers. If you ask him, what are your efforts directed at? What are you toiling hard for? His answer is to see believers maturing in Jesus Christ. And you see, when we get to chapter 2 of Colossians, Paul continues with the same theme. He says, I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for all those in Laodicea and those who have not seen me face to face. See, he says he wants them that their hearts would be encouraged being knit together to reach the fullness of the riches of assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. So Paul's aim here is maturity in Christ. And this is our theme this morning. So, brethren, I want you to see that throughout the Bible, it's God's desire to see believers grow in maturity. Second Peter chapter three eighteen it says, Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Philippians 1, 9, I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and discernment. In First Thessalonians, Paul talks about these believers in the church and he praises God for them, he gives thanks to God for them because they became imitators of the apostles and of the Lord Jesus Christ. They received the word with much affliction but with joy of the Holy Spirit and they became examples to all. See, why is Paul stressing this point? Why must we be mature? brothers and sisters, we need to be mature because there are false teachers out there. We need to grow in maturity because false teaching is subtle. See, false teaching is subtle and, and dangerous. False teaching often comes masquerading as help. It comes pretending to be help. See, false teaching comes in this form. It says, we want you to have a deeper relationship with God. False teachers often use the same words that the Bible uses, but they apply different meanings to those words. You see, sometimes even false teaching can come in the form of reverence for Jesus Christ, but only as a good teacher and a great leader, but not as God as he's defined in the Bible. See, another reason to pursue, to pursue maturity is that immaturity brings disunity and conflict in the church. Immaturity brings discouragement amongst believers. And in our passage in chapter 2, verse 1 and 2, Paul highlights this truth to us. See, he says, I want you to know how great the struggle I have for you. And for those in Laodicea and those who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged and being knit together in love. And so Paul here is describing people who need encouragement, people who need unity. And so he goes to them and he says, I want you to grow in maturity. Because immaturity brings disunity and conflict in the church. It brings discouragement amongst believers. And so, how can we be mature? How can we be mature? I want us to observe three distinct marks of Christian maturity, so we can know what Christian maturity looks like and make it our goal to grow in maturity. Now, three distinct marks of Christian maturity, strong, Christology, discernment, and good order and firmness of life. Brethren, these are the three key purpose phrases that we find in this text. You see, Paul summarizes for us here in this section three main goals that every Christian must have in order to grow in maturity. He gives us these three distinct marks of maturity, strong Christology, discernment, and good order and firmness. So I'm going to spend a lot of time on the first point, and then we'll look at the last two points quickly. So, strong Christology, discernment, good order, and firmness. Now, I want us to look together at our text here and see how we found these purpose phrases. So you see, the first purpose phrase is found in verse 2b. You see, Paul says this, I'm writing all of this to you in order that or so that you would reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of god's mystery which is jesus christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge so in other words i want you to grow in your knowledge of christ this is true maturity growing in christ having a strong christology so here's our second purpose phrase. We see that in, in verse 4. He says, I say this in order that. Do you see that? Verse 4, I say this in, in order that. No one may delude you with plausible arguments. Okay, I need to get this out of the way. <laughs> you see, maturity is discernment. It's the ability to identify and avoid false teaching. I also want you to see our third purpose statement in verse 5. He says, For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ what Paul is saying essentially here, is that in the final analysis, my joy is to see your good order and firmness of your faith in Christ. Good order and firmness. Now, let us take them one at a time. Let's take them one at a time. Christian maturity is having a strong Christology. Brothers and sisters, this is to say that being a grown-up Christian means that you, you believe right about Jesus Christ. Being a strong and a mature believer means that you have a completely biblical understanding of who Jesus is. Strong Christology. See, all deception begins with a distortion of Jesus Christ. All false teachings start here. All forms of false teaching describe and define a Jesus who is lesser than what the Bible says. See, this is why Paul starts here. Watch your doctrine of Christ. Chapter 2, verse 2b, Paul pours out his heart to these believers. I want you to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. See, I want you to have a complete, a full, majestic and lofty understanding of Jesus Christ. Of who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ has accomplished. You see, my aim for you is for you to have a rich understanding of the doctrine of Jesus Christ. I want you to know what the Bible teaches about Jesus Christ through and through. I want you to have a big Theology of Jesus Christ, strong Christology, strong Christology. Paul says here, the apex of wisdom and knowledge is knowing Jesus Christ as he truly is. He says here, the zenith of knowledge and wisdom is having an accurate understanding of Jesus Christ of the nature of Jesus Christ, the character of Jesus Christ, and the works of Jesus Christ. You see, a proper knowledge of Jesus Christ is the ultimate key to maturity in the Christian faith. You see, when false teachers were on a rampage, urging believers to seek for something extra, for something other than Jesus Christ. Paul comes and he says, believers, I want you to have a strong doctrine of Jesus Christ. You see, when false teachers were loose, trying to deceive believers, Paul urges believers to firm up their Christology. He says the antidote to deception is knowing Jesus Christ. You see, not a flimsy and weak understanding of Jesus Christ, but a biblical and rich understanding of Jesus Christ. Strong Christology. This is what defines mature believers. Not a nebular, general understanding of Jesus Christ, but a deep, biblical, rich understanding of who Jesus is. What does the Bible tell us about Jesus? Paul in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 16, just look there. He says this, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. You see, in verse 15, it tells us here that Jesus Christ is God revealed. You can also put it this way. Jesus Christ is the invisible God made manifest. See, Jesus Christ is the perfect representation and the exact likeness of God. And Jesus Christ is God revealed. Jesus Christ is God himself. Jesus Christ is very God of very God. And Jesus Christ is fully God in every way. He has been so from eternity. Listen to what Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says. It says, he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Now look down, come with me to Colossians 1 verse 19. It says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. If you look down at chapter 2, verse 9 of Colossians, it says, For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. Strong Christology. Jesus Christ is God revealed. John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 14 of John, chapter 1, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glorious of the only Son, from the Father, full of grace and truth. In John 1:18, no one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He, meaning Jesus Christ, has made Him known. In John twelve forty five, Jesus says this, Whoever sees me, sees Him who sent me. Jesus Christ is God revealed. And now Paul says to us, do you want to be a mature Christian? Check your Christology. What do you believe about Jesus Christ? Who is Jesus to you? Was he just a good teacher? Just a a respected leader? A wise man? Brothers and sisters, the modern man has created for himself a modern Jesus. Jesus who does not confront. Jesus who does not command. Jesus who is less powerful. Jesus who does not offend. Jesus who does not demand exclusive worship. But we, as a church, need to have a lofty view of Jesus Christ. Not a Jesus of our own inventions, preferences, and our own, our own making, but Jesus of the Bible. Maybe you are here and you say, he truly was a man of God. But friend, do you go on to say that Jesus Christ is truly God? God revealed Do you speak like Paul when he says he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature? Do you speak like Paul when he says for in him all the fullness of God was pleased? to dwell bodily do you speak like paul when he says for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily do you agree with john when he says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god if your understanding of jesus christ is less than this it is incomplete and wrong strong Christology, that's our aim. Matured Christians have a strong Christology. See, Paul tells us that the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are found in knowing Jesus. The true biblical Jesus. He says there in verse 2 and 3, I want you to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding. And the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Strong Christology. Brothers and sisters, you want to mature in your faith? Strong Christology. What else does the Bible tell us about Jesus? Colossians 1 16, that he is the creator of all things friends jesus is the creator of all things you see not only that but he is supreme over all creation that's what it says in verse 15 of colossians chapter 1 It tells us Jesus is supreme over all creation. And when you look at chapter 1, verse 16, it tells us that Jesus is the goal of all creation. And as you move along and look at verse 17 of Colossians 1, it tells us that Jesus is the uncreated creator. And as you move on, look at there in verse 17, Colossians 1, He is the sustainer of all things. You see, brethren, Jesus is the creator of all things he's supreme he's the goal of all things see all things have been created with reference to him creation is made to glorify jesus men and women are made for jesus to honor him to obey him to love him and to live for him and to proclaim his goodness to the nations but have we done this have we done this Can anyone say that they have lived obediently all their lives for the glory of Jesus? Can anyone claim that they've lived to honor Jesus? Can anyone confidently say this morning, I have obeyed God all my life? Is there anyone who can say, I declare that in my thoughts and actions, I've always put God first? That in private and public, I have always pursued the glory of God and the glory of Jesus. Can someone say here that in word and deed, Jesus Christ has always been my focus? Is there anyone who can make such confident claims? See, this brings us to another way we need to know Jesus. We are sinners who deserve the wrath of God and we are in desperate need for a savior and therefore having a strong christology is realizing that jesus is the redeemer of sinners these are the riches that paul talks about the treasures of knowledge and wisdom are found in knowing jesus as he is revealed in scripture jesus is the redeemer of sinners Is a point that the apostle Paul makes in Colossians 1, verse 13 to 14. Look at what it says there. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, brothers and sisters, Jesus is the reason why we are accepted. By God. Romans five eight God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Strong Christology, knowing Jesus as a creator, knowing Jesus as the sustainer of all things, knowing Jesus as God, and knowing Jesus as the redeemer of sinners. You see, Jesus is the leader and captain of the church. Jesus is the supreme reconciler. Jesus is the one who died for sinners. Jesus is the provider of peace. Jesus is a sufficient savior. And do you know him this way? Do you know him this way? How can a church thrive in this society? A society marked by the rejection of God. A society marked by the rejection of Jesus Christ and God's Son. A society marked by rampant foolishness. A society that embraces liberal worldviews an ever-growing culture that undermines Christianity. How can the church thrive in this society? By having... A strong Christology. False teachers say, you guys are stuck on Christ. (laughs) There's more out there. There's a deeper experience to be pursued. There's an extra blessing to be found. Yeah, yes. Jesus is the entryway. But we have a secret to more. More more knowledge. We have this something extra to add on Jesus Christ. The Bible says Jesus is enough. See, the greatest protection that a church has against false teachers and deceivers is to have mature believers who truly believe that Jesus is enough. You see, the church does not need more programs. The church needs mature believers with a strong Christology. Friend, I want to invite you to put your faith in Jesus Christ. If you have not done that, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Trust him alone for the forgiveness of sin. Trust him alone for sustenance, for the protection of your salvation. Trust him with your future. Have faith in him alone. He is the redeemer of sinners and he stands alone. For believers here, rest in his protection. Don't seek for anything else other than Jesus Christ. Don't fall for the lie that there is something extra to be found outside of Jesus Christ. Don't believe the lie. May your faith be strengthened in him alone. Strong Christology. That's what we need. See, the Bible also tells us, That we must believe in Jesus as the one who is in control right now as we speak. Colossians 1, verse 17b, in him all things hold together. Verse 18, Colossians 1, he is the preeminent one. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 18, it tells us that he is, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe. See, nothing in the world takes Jesus by surprise. And this must give us peace as believers. Jesus is not in panic mode, trying to make sense of the world. Jesus does not have an emergency committee to deal with the chaos in the world. See, everything is going according to his plan. And the followers of Jesus Christ have nothing to panic about. But if you have not put your faith in him... Here is an urgent call for you to do that this morning. Listen to what the Bible says in Acts chapter 17, verse 31, that God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. 2 Timothy 4, verse 1 says, I charge you in the presence of God, and of Christ Jesus, who is the judge of the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. So, brothers and sisters, my challenge to you is read your Bible. Take it from Genesis and continue on with it, and mark how majestic and glorious Jesus is. The church needs believers with a strong Christology. Now, let's move on to our second heading. Look at Colossians 2 verse 4. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Descendment. Mature believers need discernment. must grow in discernment. You see, brethren, in other words, Paul is saying the whole reason behind telling you to grow in Christ is so that you would be discerning. You see, strong Christology will result in strong discernment. This is maturity discernment, the ability to identify and avoid false teaching. Look at how the Bible puts it to emphasize the danger of false teaching. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Fine sounding arguments, believable lies. You see, this draws us here into the danger of false teaching, the danger of deception. You see, the danger with deception, delusion, and false teaching is that it's subtle. See, it disguises as a solution to a problem. False teaching can promise to give you a deeper understanding of God. You see, sometimes false teaching comes with elements of truth in it. But it misses out the rest of the truth. And so we need to grow in discernment. And sometimes delusions can also come from ourselves we can be self-deluded by believing lies for the sake of excusing sin in our lives so don't only listen to what people say but take note of what they deliberately omit and don't rely on your own understanding but test everything by god's word read the bible for yourself so you can have a sensitive sniffer to sniff out lies and deception and delusion in first John chapter four, verse one it says, "Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, let us look at our final mark of Christian maturity, good order and firmness of faith there in verse five to seven it says For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See, brethren, a poor theology leads to a poor way of life. If you believe right, you will live right. And if you believe in an insignificant Christ, this will affect how you respond to his commands. You see, this passage is telling us that as we have received Jesus Christ, we must walk in him. We must be rooted and built up in him. We must be established in the faith, abounding in thanksgiving. You see, a proper response to the doctrine of Jesus Christ as a God, as Lord, as the creator and sustainer of everything, as the redeemer of mankind, and as the one who will bring judgment to the world is to obey his commandments and live appropriately to what he has done and accomplished for us. Good order and firmness. Of faith. This is the good life. This is the Christian life. Now, how does this happen? How does Christian maturity happen? Well, the first is Bible intake. You see there in verse 7. It says rooted up and built up in him. And established in the faith. Just as you were taught. Bible intake. Consumption of truth. Truth. Just as you were taught. See, these people were taught. And the question is, are you teachable this morning? See, when God's word is preached through and through, when the Bible is taught in GCs, when the Bible is taught in Bible studies, sermon after sermon, expounding the word of God, are you one who is teachable do you come to church with a heart attitude that says I want to hear from God's word? Are you receptive to God's word? Do you respond positively to the commands of the word of God? Do you listen with intent to learn or with intent to argue? Do you listen with intent to change or with intent to be stubborn. Well, Christian maturity happens through Bible intake, consumption of truth. But what else does the Bible tell us, tell us about how Christian maturity happens? Look there, Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. The NIV puts it so clear, I'm going to read it in the NIV. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love, so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely in Christ. See, here's the key thought. God's design for Christians is that they would grow in community. See, Christian growth cannot happen in isolation. That's why Paul is saying, I want you to be encouraged in heart and united in love. So he's talking here that your, your growth in the Christian life is going to happen in the context of Christian community. See, God has not saved us to be in isolation, but to be in a community of believers, namely the church. So how does Christian maturity happen? In community. There is no growth apart from community. Let me also stress, there is no growth apart from commitment to the Christian community. Now, am I challenging you to take membership in this church? Well, first, I'm challenging you to place your faith in Jesus Christ, to be born again. And yes, next, I am challenging you to be a member of this church. And is this church not working for you? Well, let's talk about it. There might be a misunderstanding. Is it still not working for you? Friend, I'm encouraging you to find another Bible teaching church and join the church. Be committed to a local church for your growth and maturity. Because the Bible knows nothing of matured Christianity in isolation. Show me someone who's not committed to the local church, I'll show you someone who's immature, I'll show you someone who's spiritually stunted. Show me someone who's theologically learned, but still, knows, still does not show commitment to the local church, I'll show you someone who's unwise and unhelpful to the advance of the gospel. Show me someone who is reformed and learned, but has no part in the life of the local church. I'll show you someone who is deformed. Show me someone who is isolated from the flock. I'll show you someone who is vulnerable, liable to attacks of the devil and likely to fall prey or false teaching. Show me someone. Who attempts to live the Christian life apart from other Christians? I'll show you someone who is deluded and deceived. Mark this, brothers and sisters, there's no growth in isolation. There will be no growth in isolation. You don't have that promise. The Bible knows nothing of that. Theology must be done in community. Christian growth. Love, affection, progress and advancement in the Christian faith happens together. I read this piece, this article piece uh, this week speaking about the dangers of spiritual isolation. It says this: "Oh, how times have changed. For many, solitary religion is the preferred norm of the day. Virtual church is favored over corporate gatherings. Digital platforms take precedence over actual pulpits. And Facebook friends are welcomed more than discipling relationships. This is the song of the day. You don't need no other believers, is the title. And you can live the Christian life all by yourself, is the chorus. It's the song we sing to justify why we are not a church. The tune that we hum when we are tired and drained. And the anthem we blast when we see believers fail us, hurt us, and cause us pain. But the undistracted Christian, the mature Christian, the growing Christian embraces the shepherding heart of Jesus This Christian silences the song of isolation by striving to be a faithful follower of Jesus Christ and being part of the community of Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, you want to be mature? Grow in your Christology. Grow in discernment and grow in living a godly life. Amen.